0: This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. The Voluntary Principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the Voluntary Principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. I published my first book in 2012 titled Everything Voluntary, From Politics to Parenting. This book is an anthology of writings on voluntarious themes covering politics, religion, markets, parenting, and education. You may download the book for free at EverythingVoluntary.com or purchase it in paperback at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, Before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around. To schedule, go to the main website at EverythingVoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's December 7th, and we're going to look at some white people Twitter, black people Twitter posts and give some commentary. Um, All right, here's the first one. It's from white people Twitter. It's a screenshot from uh, some tweet from somebody named Craig Mazin. And they wrote one of the hallmarks of the dangerously stupid is the consistent belief that they found great solutions that experts somehow missed. One of the hallmarks of the dangerously stupid is the consistent belief that they found great solutions that experts somehow missed. All right, um, I don't, I don't know if, if this is how this this person intended this, but my takeaway when I read this, I thought the interesting thing about experts is is that anybody can find an expert to support any position on something that they want to take all right and let's just let's just talk about science okay there are well qualified experts that have disagreements pretty much on anything and what what is dangerously stupid in my opinion using this guy's phrase is to create and enforce public policy on the basis of uh, scientific expertise. I've talked about this before, but, but saying the phrase, something like, the science is settled, when it never is really settled. And again, there are qualified experts on any scientific topic that will find disagreement with you know some such scientific theory or uh, postulate or whatever, what have you. And if we're going to say the science is settled, then we've stopped doing science and we've left the realm of science because for real actual science, it's never settled. There's always, um, there's always things to be discovered. There's always, uh, things that have, there's always parts of a theory that have issues. There's always incomplete data. There's always, uh, there's always problems. And when we fail to recognize that and we say, I'm sorry, the science is settled, now we need to move on to making policy, we've left science and we've entered the realm of religion. Now, I'm not knocking religion when I say that. I say this a lot. But religion is pretty much across the board. Study any religion and what you're going to find is there's one path to salvation. If you want salvation in the next life, there's one path for that. Okay, there's no debate there's no, I mean, yeah, people do debate it, but fundamentally, the, the 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 basis of religious claims is that there is no debate. This is the one path to salvation, and if you don't follow it, then you won't be saved. So when we take uh, the science is settled, and we then make or try to make public policy, right, which amounts to you, the use of coercion and aggression against ultimately peaceful people then we've done something incredibly dangerous, dangerously stupid, in my opinion. So what this guy's talking about is obviously different than what I'm talking about. Let me read his thing again. One of the hallmarks of the dangerously stupid is the consistent belief that they found great solutions that experts somehow missed. Now, I don't think he's saying this, but there are the dangerously stupid in state and national capitals, in uh, uh, houses of Congress and parliament, who think, who think that they have the great solution. Okay and their belief is that some experts agree with them and many other experts disagree right and that's why they're dangerously stupid because they're taking what is always and everywhere unsettled right they're trying to pass it off as settled and now we need to turn this into some some form of government edict in order to put the force of government behind it and I disagree with that I think that's dangerously stupid and honestly I think history is on my side but there's going to be experts that disagree with that, I'm sure. All right, let's go on to the next one. All right, this is from Black People Twitter. And this is from Representative Ilhan Omar out of Minnesota, the first Muslim Somali woman elected to Congress is my understanding. And this is actually something I agree with. I agree with this this democratic, socialist, whatever, um, Congress woman ilhan omar here's what she wrote this week the house will be voting on legislation to federally decriminalize marijuana and expunge records nationwide this is a long overdue step to provide restorative justice to those devastated by the war on drugs okay all right i mean what can you disagree with there unless you're somebody who believes that we should be controlling uh, coercively controlling what people put in their own bodies because it offends you for some reason. And, and again, you can find somebody to be offended by pretty much anything that another person puts inside their body, whether it's drugs or food or drink or tech. <laughs> and if we should be making public policy, then what you have is tyranny of the majority over the minority, right? This, this is the fundamental flaw in democracy, we like to say that democracy is, is a bad system, but it's the best of all the others that have been tried. Well, I don't know about that. But what you, what you have from this democratic result over the last several, several decades is an incredible amount of devastation in people's lives and in their communities and in the country as a whole and in the world. So that's what the democratic process brought on this topic, widespread death and devastation over decades. And you can't really doubt that. In my opinion, the uh, science on that's pretty clear. Is the science settled? (laughs) No, it's never settled. Uh, But there's obviously a lot of people in jail right now who never lifted a finger against another person. Obviously, that's a disproportionate response to their behavior. Their behavior was simply breaking somebody's rules, somebody's legal code which there's no evidence ever applied to them in the first place right you broke my you broke my rules doesn't it's kind of irrelevant what the rules say there's no evidence they actually apply people you know these people's codes and constitutions you broke my rules whether it was possessing a drug or smoking a drug or drinking a beverage or wearing a certain color shirt or wearing the wrong style of shoe it doesn't matter these are just arbitrary made up rules by other people arbitrarily applied and then it's you know, you you did what our rules say you shouldn't do, so now we're gonna throw you in cage for years and years and years. We're going to destroy your life and the lives of your family because you did this thing, this peaceful, nonviolent thing that simply offended us. So this this tweet was from over a week ago and the House did end up voting. And they did end up passing. Now, I don't know everything in that bill. Federal, United States federal bills tend to be packed full of mostly absolute bullshit with a few items that everybody's interested in, you know, on top and given the name. Was this one of those bills? Probably. There was probably some bullshit in there. So I'm not going to celebrate its passage. Um... This is long overdue. The federal government never should have been involved in this. I do not believe it has any authority. It doesn't have any authority. Let's get that out of the way. But as far as the plain reading of the Constitution, it never had any authority to regulate what people put in their bodies, which is why in the 20s, it passed an amendment to prohibit alcohol, and then it passed another amendment to take away that power. But then when it came to drugs, it just said, eh, we'll just do a law. We don't need an amendment we'll just find, we'll just, we'll just reinterpret some other clause. The, the amendment process is too, it's too much of a hassle. <laughs> but that's, you know, just the story of the Constitution. Um, but the interesting thing about this, if you're not somebody who's really been in the libertarian world for the last decade, this sort of thing is not the result of federal congresspeople finally coming to their senses. That's not where this comes from. This comes from the practice, the widespread and growing practice of state nullification of federal law. One by one, starting over two decades ago, states began legalizing uh, the personal use of marijuana, uh, initially for medicinal reasons, and then later for simply recreational. One by one, states started doing this, and it created a snowball effect more states. So within the borders of those states, where most of the enforcement for this stuff actually happened by local uh, police forces, it was simply stopped. It was decriminalized, it was legalized, people were finally left alone. And that spread. One by one, states began in this effect, nullifying federal prohibition of marijuana. Some states have begun nullifying other drugs, prohibitions of other drugs. Some states have nullified, uh, things like, um, I don't know that this snowballed and ever caught on. I think there's a couple of states that passed what they called firearm freedom acts. Basically, if, if it's manufactured and sold within our borders, it does not have to comply with federal regulations. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the history of that has been it's definitely not been as popular this this is probably the best example of widespread state nullification in the history of this country and you know people i think need to be need to be taught that they need to be taught what this is this is state nullification and here's the history on nullification where it comes from and the best uh, book for that is probably Tom Wood's book titled nullification i've got it here in my library so you know that can be a conversation That can be a conversation, a conversation starter with people. It's like, hey, what do you think about all this marijuana decriminalization and legalization that's happening around the country by states and in some cases by cities? They'll probably today, though most people will probably say, yeah, it's great. And you can say, well, you know what that is, right? That's 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 called state nullification. It's when the state nullifies what the state considers to be an unconstitutional federal law. That's kind of a cool practice, you know. And then you say, you know, what else does the do the Feds do that might not be constitutional that our states can nullify, <laughs> and you know, have some fun with that. All right, let's go on to the next one. Back to white people Twitter. Uh, this is by somebody named Lana Lana Dragonfly. It's a dialogue. Here's Jesus: Feed the hungry and clothe the homeless. Care for those less fortunate than you. Welcome foreigners. Love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. Christians, yes, yes, good, good, we'll do that. Me, Lana, what he said, let's do that. <laughs> Christians, go fuck yourself, dirty commie libtard. <laughs> all right, not to put words in this person's mouth, but I, I think it's pretty obvious what, what this person is saying is that we should do all these things through, through, uh, through the use of government policy. Again, which amounts to coercion against peaceful people. Is that what Jesus was saying? this is this is a common this is one of those things that that people who are Christian first and sort of discover libertarianism and sort of get into that, at some point they'll and that's not the only route there, but at some point they'll they'll hit this wall where you'll have people saying, "What did Jesus say, and our government should do those things and you've got to you know you've got to critique that, you've got to dismantle that sort of idea. And it's you know it's not difficult, but people are people tend to be pretty stubborn about these things. But you can look in the scriptures, okay? Probably the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and you can you, you can you can see at least what these authors claimed Jesus to have said. And you can search through that and you can find things where he said, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are these people and those people do these things, take care of each other, love one another, blah blah blah. You can find all that. Good stuff. Good stuff, right? Probably really good advice. But what you don't find anywhere is for him, is is his call to outsource any of that stuff to the state. Okay? That really that really kind of defeats the whole purpose. Okay? Taking care of each other Has certain benefits. Benefits for the people you take care of and benefits for you. If you outsource that to some institution, you destroy most of those benefits. So, you know, I I don't. (laughs) Christians telling this person to go F themselves because they're dirty commie libtard. I mean, she's obviously projecting something here, but. And there are many, many Christians that she could find that absolutely agree with her that these things should be policy in some way right we should have big fat welfare programs for everybody who needs it paid for by you know taking money from people who have not been actually charged with any crimes right they want to use public policy to totally bypass due process let's just pass a new tax take people's property and then we'll use it to fund some programs and of course most of the funds will be utterly wasted as as they are but then we can we can say look i voted for this It was created, and now my soul is clean. I don't ever actually have to lift my finger to help anybody. I'm a good person because I voted for some big, bloated, expensive government program to do it for me. That's what Jesus was talking about. I don't want anybody to actually do it themselves. I want them to get government to do it. Duh. That's what I was saying. (laughs) All right, let's go on back to black people twitter. Okay. This is by Cory Booker. I think he's a senator somewhere. Probably familiar with the name. And this is yet another democrat congressperson, senator that I agree with. See? It's not just about pulling up stuff I disagree with. I can reach across the aisle. <laughs> Actually, for me it's not reaching across, it's reaching down cuz I'm up I'm up above, right? My my position is the is the the moral high ground. So I'm up above the aisles, the wings. So for me, it's not reaching across the aisle, it's reaching down. And somebody down there is reaching up like the, like the Adam and Creation painting by Da Vinci, right? All right, he wrote, as we strive to recover and rebuild, phasing out factory farming should be high on the agenda. These cramped warehouses of livestock are breeding grounds for infectious disease. Ending the cruel practice of factory farming can help prevent future pandemics. Okay, that last part, maybe. I don't know that we've ever had a human pandemic. Well, that's not true. A lot of our disease comes from our relationship to animals. Thank you, Agricultural Revolution. Um, but this idea of phasing out factory farming, it begs the question, why, why do we have factory farming today? What's happened there? And I really can't speak to it directly, but I heard a really good interview uh, on Kibbe on Liberty, Matt Kibby, with uh, Congressman T- Thomas Massey, who comes from the farming world, as well as another person who comes from that world. And they had a really good conversation on what sort of regulations have led to the privileging of these factory farm style uh, organizations and the to the advantage of those organizations and the disadvantage of smaller, cleaner operations. So I think the first step would be probably for states to start, because that's you know where it's most effective, for states to start nullifying some of the, those federal laws around that, which are probably all unconstitutional, if that matters. And some of their own laws, I'm sure, contribute to that and start getting rid of that stuff. If there's, if there's things the feds can do to get rid of their own laws on this, then they absolutely should. So I don't really have a lot to say on this but i am going to link in the show notes to this uh this podcast episode so definitely take a listen they talk about several things that the feds have done that have advantaged factory farming and disadvantaged cleaner smaller family farms stuff things like that so let me let me find that here all right it's episode 66 on Kibbe on Liberty, it's, it's how do we feed America during COVID-19 with, re- with Representative Thomas Massey and self-described lunatic farmer Joel Salatin. It says Thomas Massey to, or Matt Kibbe sits down with Salatin and Massey to talk about the food shortages Americans are experiencing as a result of the coronavirus lockdown. The complex interactions that allow food to make it from farm to table have been disrupted by central planners who think they know better with disastrous results. Rhett Massey has introduced legislation to help fix the problem, but as long as the lockdowns continue, the food supply will suffer. So the basis for this whole conversation was the lockdown created disruptions to the food supply all across the country, and and why it is that when something like this happens, like this supposed pandemic, and, and things start to get shut down, why is it that our... Um, I guess we could say food infrastructure is so vulnerable and it's because of the consolidation that has happened. I think they talk about there's something like three meat processors in the world or something like that, that everything has to go through. There's one in Brazil and like two in the US, as far as what the US allows. There's only three and everything has to go through them. And there's a bunch of other problems with that. So that's what the whole conversation's about. So I thought, okay, Cory Booker's talking about factory farming. He needs to get the he needs to reach across his aisle and he needs to, he needs to get with, of course, I think he's a senator and Thomas Massey's a representative. So he needs to reach, he needs to go to the, he needs to go to the room over down the hall across the aisle and he needs to get with this guy who, who knows farming. Okay. Cause he was a farmer. All right. So I'll, I'll link to that. Where are we at? Okay. Let's do one more. All right, back to white people Twitter. This is a tweet by Dan Price. If you remember Dan Price, and you may not, he is um he's a business owner who uh cut his own salary. He slashed his own salary from over a million down to 70,000 and raised the salaries of his employees. And he did that, I don't know, 4 or 5 years ago, and apparently it's working out pretty well for them. Great. <laughs> So that's who Dan Price is, but here he is tweeting something. He says, I'm no economics professor, but if food banks are rationing food because of record demand, while billionaires gained a record one trillion dollars in combined wealth, it might be time to reconsider our system. Now my guess is this guy's not a libertarian. He might be. Um but I would you know, just not taking any of his own hidden agenda or his own hidden implications of this, which could very well be very very liberal. I agree with what he said. It's absolutely time to reconsider our system. So begs the question, what is our system? Our system is not free markets, free market capitalism. It's not. It's corporatism. It's corporations, either offensively or self-defensively, using government to pass legislation that benefits them and does not benefit or hurt or discourages their competition, and it's the widespread use of this in every industry about i mean there's new industries that pop up and they're you know they're they're old wests uh they're old american wests you know they're they're frontiers you know without anything you know other than some basic standard general regulations that sort of apply to everybody in you know in every possible industry you know OSHA type stuff that you know are still virgin in that sense. And they spring up and they get off the ground, and you know things happen, usually amazing things. And then, and then there's some major disruption because the old players in the old industries don't like what's happening, so they pressure their paid for Congress people to to get on the ball, right? We we see this right now in social media, right? Everybody's so up in arms about social media and what kind of speech is allowed, and should we monitor, should we should we um, be harder on hate speech or should we should we start fact-checking or, you know, everybody's up in arms in this industry that was only created about 10 years ago, right? The Facebooks and Twitters and YouTubes. And obviously with those, there's like with YouTube, there's there's pre-existing systems that have a big effect on how that works, such as copyright, right? You, you try to make a cool video and you use some clips from some other stuff and next thing you know, you're, um, you're copyright struck and three strikes are out you know so there's there's these these sort of um things that these companies do like youtube does this to protect itself you know what i mean from from the feds coming after it and, or from be, not from the feds but from being sued by so-called rights holders the big players you know the ones with deep pockets for allowing users to remix their content right but this is this is a big conversation right now with this particular industry, and it happens. Some new industries created, it grows up, and the question becomes, what sort of regulations do we need? Well, you don't. You don't need any regulations. And that's, that's the reconsideration that I think needs to happen with, quote, our system. We need to get rid of all public policy-based regulations. There's two roles. There's two proper roles of government, and only two. Anything beyond this is criminal. Peacekeeping, and dispute adjudication. That's it. Any other, any regulation that goes beyond that, and it's every regulation, is actually a criminal act by people who call themselves government. They're interfering, coercively interfering in people's trades. So that's that's the reconsideration that I think needs to happen with the entire system. Deregulate, 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 privatize, privatize, privatize everything. So I, you know, I doubt this guy would agree with that, but maybe he's an entrepreneur. There's probably a lot of these things he could he would prefer um not to have to deal with. He would probably prefer to just deal with his customers one-on-one without this coercive third-party intervention in his business. But I don't I don't think that's what he's talking about. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Okay, we looked at dangerous stupidity and experts. <laughs> We looked at Representative Ilhan Omar's call to decriminalize marijuana. Good for her. Let's make it actually happen. It, it already is obviously happening, but it needs to. One of the benefits of having it, it happen on the federal level is that it will it will remove some tentacles in the finance and banking industry. Okay, these big, huge, national or international corporate banks have federal regulations they have to follow so they they've been very shy or it's been non-existent for them to service uh entrepreneurs who are in this industry right legal by their own state standards but still illegal on the federal level and so these entrepreneurs have a tough time finding banking to help them with their businesses so that's that's something that um it's probably more difficult for states to nullify because these are such large banks. And, of course, there's smaller smaller banks that <laughs> – there's smaller banks, but they're still part of this federal reserve system, right? They're still part of this um, corporatist nightmare that is central banking. I don't know how much of that affects uh, credit unions. That's what I use. I've always used credit unions. I don't like banks. Way too many fees. And I'm sure there's reasons for that, um, regulatory reasons. Anyway – so, you know, let's, let's, you know, it should happen. It should never have, it should never have even happened to begin with. So let's go. Um, I don't think Jesus wanted the welfare state. Um, I agree with Cory Booker that we got to do something about disgusting factory farms. And I think, I think it's going to require deregulation. And I'll link to that, um, episode 66 of Kibbe on Liberty, where they they talk about some of the challenges that small farmers have relative to the big ones. And then we talked about reconsidering our entire economic system. (laughs) All right, that's going to do it. Please remember, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And don't ask permission. Thank you so much for listening. Please have a better day. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast in everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EBC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.